following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Wally, The Land Before Time, WandaVision, Ted Lasso, Short Circuit, Jurassic Park, Get Out, Looper, X-Men, Apocalypse, Severance, Family Matters, The Da Vinci Code, Mythic Quest, Fight Club, The Eternals, Venom, Groundhog's Day, Spider-Man, Batman, and Stargate. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a TV show and then try to determine which one is cooler. Robots, dinosaurs, or a, 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 a sailboat that can sail across the sand. Very special. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always, whenever I'm talking about a Marvel TV show, is my co-host, Ryan T. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, it's good to be back. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Ryan, why don't you tell the listeners what episode we are going to be talking about today? Uh, we got ourselves a great episode, Moon Knight, Episode 5, Asylum. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Asylum. This great. one was directed by Mohamed Diab once again, written by Jeremy Slater. Uh, some new new actors in this episode. Uh, we got Antonia Salib playing Tower Red. Uh, also, mm. Fer- Fernanda Andrade playing uh, Wendy Spector. And Ray Lucas playing Elias Spectre. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Man. episode opens with uh, some kind of a vision. It's like a some somebody yelling. There's water dripping, and then a woman yelling, "This is all your fault." Uh, then it, foreshadowing. Then it cut for, <laughs> smash cuts to uh, Doctor Doctor Arthur saying, uh, I didn't shoot you. Your mind is vacillating between sense and nonsense. And he has this whole tirade about uh, asking Mark to distinguish things that are sense versus nonsense. And it's all very mm-hmm. meta and layered and, and interesting. But, Lou, is that really Mark? Because I think, hmm. I'm still thinking there's a third personality out there. Hmm. And I still think that's Jake. I'm, I'm, I'm still clinging to the fact that there's going to be three. I know we're into the last episode, but why does he so violently try to? He kind of tries to grab the, the artifact, what that little like sharp pyramid glass thing on his desk. He tries to almost stab at him, and then tries to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And he's got cut on his nose, which he never had before, and then he never has again. So I feel. I feel like he just, he had this violent, whenever you see this, like, more violent, I don't think that's Mark or Steven. I think that's Jake. I really do. I think you could be onto something because there's, the fact that, the fact that, this is jumping ahead quite a bit, but the fact that, um, that when, when they finally do, like, revisit that very painful memory uh, of his mom's abuse, Mark kind of says, like, I, you know, I created you. The whole point of you was to sort of take the take these things and just like exist in this happy place. But it almost seemed like um, like Stephen was coming out of the little kid, Mark, like the moment that the mom was going to come in and start hitting him. 
And so that that is completely incongruous with how, the way Mark explained it. So like, wouldn't know like if he was Stephen. That I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, when and Stephen wouldn't would like, have memories of that. Like it would. That's because that's such a strong thing. Like if that's yeah. the only time Stephen is around is to take the beatings, that would be at the forefront of his of his memories of his youth. And it wasn't, even though we saw him like suddenly sw- switch into a. Uh, that that British accent, all of a sudden. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. That's why I kind of think there's more to it, and there's still something else. I I do kind of wish they broke into it a little earlier if it's going to happen to kind of flesh it out. But I still do believe there's going to be something a little more because you're right. I would think if Stephen didn't know, he would more be turning into Stephen afterwards to mm-hmm. block the uh, the pain of it. Like you know, after he gets hit, beat, whatever, then he's gonna cry and then change into Steven to block it out and pretend his mom's great. I would more have expected that. but mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was just a writing mistake or a mistake. I doubt it. I, I just can't doubt that we and you think of that and they didn't. But though that's, I feel like there might be more to it. I still think there is, because it seems to me like whenever Steven or Mark seem extremely threatened is when, is when the violent one comes out, when they almost have nothing to do but be like that. When danger is near, Stephen Grant has no fear. God damn right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, continue on with the, uh, you want to continue on? Yeah. That's that, what I thought. I thought, I just felt like, why is he all of a sudden have a busted nose, like a bandage, and he's like being so much the way he's talking and his personality and the way he's being violent just doesn't seem to fit Mark or Steven. And Mark is, Mark can be violent, but it seems to be like different than it, it takes. He does it because he has to more. So, and I feel like this character that I see as being more straight out violent from the start. He just seems more fierce. Hmm. I don't know. That's why I just feel there's something more there, but, uh, you know. I think you might be onto something. I I don't I do think it's a little late in the game for them to introduce a whole third personality just for the finale episode. Um, that is, yeah, I I I'm, and that's the only thing holding me back. Is I agree. There it's there like, is there is the un- I didn't notice the nose thing. I think that's a really good catch and that's interesting. But uh, there's also the unanswered question of that like third sarcophagus when they were in the in the at the end of the last episode when they were walking through the hallway there was that third sarcophagus um, yes. right after he frees Mark from one sarcophagus so it's it's still on the yeah. table I'm not ruling it out completely and when he murders all those dudes and Stephen's like I didn't do that and Mark's like I didn't do that so mm-hmm. like why hinting towards all this stuff to not pay it off in any way it just seems strange. Mm-hmm. I, but yet at the same time for another 45 minute episode how are you gonna all the stuff we still have to figure you know get wrapped up and then to also throw in a third personality and how they got there and there it does seem it does seem crazy but yeah we'll see we'll see, we'll see. throwing it out there i i okay. feel like something we'll find out we'll find out next week um we yeah, Arthur says that uh, he tells him you're in Putnam Medical Facility in Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and he talks about um, how his mind is creating this this safe place. He calls it an organizing principle, 
And he says, for a lot of people, this manifests in something like a castle or a maze or a library. And Mark suggests, or a psych ward. Uh, and mm-hmm. Arthur kind of reluctantly is like, yeah, okay, or I guess that maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, then we kind of cut back to like the scene the last episode ended on where um, Mark and Steven are like together in the hallway and they see this hippo and he says, wow, those meds are amazing. <laughs> Yes, which is great because they did just before that they did it. It showed him eject him with that right into the neck with that big old syringe Mm -hmm. syringe, which he later denies. Arthur, Doctor Arthur, later denies that he like sedated him. He's like, "Oh, you watch too many movies. You know, we can't legally like force somebody to take some unless it's absolutely necessary." Mm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The level of manipulation going on in this is so crazy, and it's just like we talk. We've talked every episode about how good Ethan Hawke is. This episode is a tour de force of Ethan Hawke's talent, and it is. I just I, think like this show know, really deserves some attention when the Emmys come around. Oh, absolutely! Because like everyone gives Oscar Isaac the. Like, you know, woo, he's great, which he is. He's amazing. But Ethan Hawke and the way he subtly plays that character and, like you said, the manipulation and it's so good. Mm. It's the acting. This is this has got to be the best acted series that the Disney or that MCU has done. It's fantastic. It's it's up there. And you're right. And if they if they're not not at least nominated for Emmys. That's that's crazy because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's it's such good acting. I, this show is something very different from the rest of the shows. I feel it's really good, really good. But yeah, yeah it deserves to be recognized for sure. Um, so the uh, hippo. The, uh, so Ryan, uh, did did did, uh, did any of our hippopotamus hypotheses come true this week? When we find uh, out more about this hippo tower tower Kind of. She's, you know, the, what, the goddess of, like, for something. Did you write down that? <laughs> she said the goddess of women and children. Yes, which I, I mentioned something similar to that because I looked it up last week and I watched a lot of videos about about it because I wanted to learn about it. And yeah, mm-hmm. so, like, fertility and rejuvenation, regeneration, something like that. So, yeah. Um, I kind of hippo hypothoed that. So, <laughs> um, it's a similar vibe to Hathor, goddess of music and love. Because uh, when I looked, when I did a little bit research about Hathor, um, she's that's, the one from episode like three. Yes, that's uh, Diana Bermudez, who unfortunately was not in this episode. I'm very sad about that. Yeah. Diana, you can feel free to hit hit us up in the DMs, and uh, if you want to talk to us about it or. Just write in with your robot versus dinosaur matchup. Whatever, Deanna, whatever you want to do. I know you're listening to every episode. Email Um, me. Yeah, yeah, email me, baby. Uh, (laughs) So um, when I was researching that, Hathor, which she's like the, the, uh, why can't I think of the word, the avatar of, um, Hathor is also like one of her domains is also fertility. So so, so Taruet, similar vibes, similar kind of, Thing like 
we I immediately get get why she's on um, Mark and Steven's side and like trying to help them. Um, mm-hmm. But she does say to them, you know, I'm afraid you're actually quite dead. Uh, welcome, gentle travelers, to the realm of the Duat. <laughs> Which uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. how they, I think it's awesome how they. She explains then how the afterlife or this can be different for everyone, and then then she mentions too like the Black Panther, the uh, astral plane. Yes, from, is that astral plane? Oh, and which like so like whatever like belief you kind of have or whatever, I, this is a great way to like cover it. Like mm-hmm. you see it different depending on what you believe and how you perceive it yourself. So I think that's really great way of explaining something like this that can be controversial and weird. And, but that's awesome. And then how she pulls out like the scroll and she's saying her speech and like how like no souls have come through here in forever because no one really believes in this anymore. So it's Mm -hmm. somebody who's coming through this realm because they believe in the Egyptian or because he's somehow involved with it. And she's like, God, I have, I haven't had a soul come through here in years. Like, so I just love how they, how they explain that, like the afterlife or this purgatory type thing can viewed in so many different ways. Well, she says it's an afterlife, not the afterlife. Yeah. Uh, she describes it as inter- there are so many intersectional planes of untethered consciousness um, and yeah, she describes the uh, ancestral plane. And as soon as she said that, I wrote down Black Panther question mark. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you had the same thought because yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what we were seeing in Black Panther. Yeah, where T'Challa goes, and you know, you have Bost, the like Panther god, like comes out, which is another god. Which is it's just cool how it all kind of they try to make it all connect in a way that especially. Since Wakanda is in the middle of Africa, right? And Egypt is, like, in the north of Africa. So, I don't know. Like, I, I could... Relating. They could have relating-type gods, right? Yeah, or just that that part of the world would have, like, a similar um, yeah. uh, underworld mythology or, like, a similar sort of rule set to, to how the afterlife works or an afterlife works. Um, and yeah, as a, as somebody who is like very strongly agnostic personally, the idea of there being multiple gods, multiple afterlives makes more sense to me than there just being one. That's the correct one. (laughs) Yes. I think this is complete. If there is going to be an afterlife, like the way you perceive it and how you believe and how you think should be what it is. Mm -hmm. So if it's true and, uh, you know, everyone goes to the place they perceive and how they believe it and that i really if i'm gonna believe anything that's kind of more of the way i'd go <laughs> so they uh, open this door and this is one of the coolest visuals that we've gotten on the show so far this ship oh, sailing yeah. across the sand and towerette explains uh that if your heart is balanced then you get to spend eternity in paradise uh, she describes it as this beautiful field of reeds, which I think is the the image that, like, we end the episode on pretty much, right? Exactly. Um, she says you have to weigh uh, your heart against the feather of truth on the scales of justice. Mm-hmm. Who uh, Anubis is holding the scale there, which is oh. the god of the dead or underworld, something like Anubis. that. 
Anubis and, wasn't one of our five from episode three. No, um, no, I don't, he is. He was? No, I don't think he is. No, I don't think so, no. I don't think he was, but I forget the exact, I didn't write it down, but the exact, it's something to do with death or underworld or something of that nature. God of death, mummification, embalming, the afterlife, cemeteries, tombs, and the underworld, according to Wikipedia. Right. But I, <laughs> I, nice. But I do find it interesting that both Harrow and, and Tower are using scales to judge people, but the Harrow scales were of Ahmet with the crocodile heads holding the scale. Mm. But is Nubis. So mm. it's cool. It's a similar thing, but different gods. Very interesting. Very, that is inter- very interesting. Yes. Yeah, they use this um, scale iconography and, and image image a lot in this episode. Like I noticed it when uh, when when Stephen is like, or when Mark slash Stephen is like retreating in their bedroom. Uh, mm-hmm. As as the camera's panning up to the movie poster on the wall, there's like a little toy wooden scale there. Oh yeah, there's a yeah. yeah put that into the imagery a lot and it's pretty cool notice too in the first episode when he's when he or second episode first step i forget when when harrow judges mark steven and the scale does the same thing it like just doesn't which is cool how that scale and this scale are relating are they related i don't know well i think i think it just speaks to the fact that mark mark's heart is unbalanced it's figure out yeah he needs he needs Stephen to know the truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so all right. So what is the truth? Is because um, uh, Ruth because Doctor Harrow asks later on in the episode, "Did you create Stephen to hide from the awful things that you feel you've done, or did mm-hmm. Stephen create Mark to punish the world for what their mother did to them?" Yeah, I I noticed he said that too, and I think uh, to me it seems pretty clear that Mark created Stephen to you know protect himself from the feelings and the, the the depression of what he went through with his mother. So Stephen was supposed to be the personality that, of course, didn't know about that, and he could live the good life, you know, and he could block that out when he was Stephen and pretend mom loved him and all this stuff. So. Um, yeah, I think that is the case. I think, I think what the show is showing us like on its face, the fact that those memories, Um, we're supposed to take them as like, this is the factual recreation of this memory. Um, and so his parents were named, uh, Wendy and Elias Spector. Um, there's the poster of Stephen Grant, which gives us an origin of how, and also like when he's walking with his little brother and they're pretending to be, uh, Rosser and Dr. Grant, like it's very, very, it's a very clear path to how he created this Stephen personality. And I do think that is the true, like the way that it actually goes. I think Harrow was, it was just a way to... I think it was just a way to get Steven slash Mark thinking more because I do think that this, I don't think that the psych psych ward stuff is, I don't, I don't think that's a thing that's being created in his head somehow. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a thought process of, you know, so he can think about it and open his mind to the truth. 
So I do really think what we're seeing is the truth, but that's just Harrow's way of getting Stephen slash Mark to think about it, bring it out. I, yeah. I think you're right. But at the moment, their hearts are not full enough to weigh against the feather of truth. So they go down this memory hallway. Um, let me know if I miss any, but the memories I wrote down that they first, like when they're peeking through the windows, uh, one is... Uh, Steven looking through and seeing um, when they're in the Moon Knight armor beating the jackal in the bathroom, which that's the first. after having watched the whole episode like that, I have a lot. I, I feel like there's more context to that like that's him sort of realizing like he's caught in this cycle of abuse where, you know, his mom, this is basically what his mom did to him when he was young and little and helpless. And as soon as he had the upper hand in this fight against this jackal, even though it was going to kill him, probably, he's, like, mercilessly just beating it against the ground. And it seems, like, very disturbing when he's watching this play back. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I agree with you. And I never, uh, I never actually looked at it like that. But, yeah, that's a really good take on it. And you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. the man got the chance to, to have that upper hand. He did the same thing his mother did to him. That's That's... Yeah, I like that. That's I never I never even connected that, but that's awesome. Yeah. Cuz you like it's clear that like there's a point where he won that fight and he could have just stopped, but um course, yeah. there's there's this saying uh in therapy a lot. Uh I don't <laughs> know, like I I've, I've gone to a lot of therapy personally. Um so I've heard this phrase a lot from different doctors. <laughs> uh hurt people hurt people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's or, so true. I guess in this case, hurt people hurt jackals. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, then the next one, I think this is the next one. It's um, when it was Mr. Knight and Khonshu like spinning the sky, kind of doing mm-hmm. the, the Doctor Strange hand motions, right? Yeah. Yep. And Mark was kind of like, oh, because he didn't, he wasn't there for that. So yeah, he didn't I like experience that. Like, oh, wow, that he said like something like that's cool or that's crazy. I forget what exactly his quote, but he was kind of like taken aback by it like he hadn't seen it before. I would be. That would blow my mind. Crazy, yeah. But then so, again, I'm, I don't have like a pact with an Egyptian uh, god of death and judgment. So, you know, maybe yeah. maybe it would be less surprising if I could conjure a mummy <laughs> suit anytime I want. Be like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, Kanchu could have done that. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, then the next one, I think, is uh, we're seeing Mark standing next to a car on some street somewhere, drinking, and uh, that's all the context that it gives us at the moment, but later on we get, like, the rest of that scene and what that means. Um, Crazy, very emotional. And then I... Let me know if I missed any, but then then they go to this, like, cafe full of people... Uh, like corpses that um, yeah. Stephen surmises these are all people that Mark has killed. Yep. Yes. Slash Those are all punished yeah. for Conchu. Exactly. Those are all the Conchu victims. And, um, you know, they wallow through there for a little bit. But then the big thing is that, you know, his little little brother there pops up. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, why is there a kid here who we killed? Or, yeah, you know, why is there a kid here in a room of people we've killed? You know, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and really kill him, but you know, 
But I, yeah, but he carries around the guilt of it as, as if he did because, because he was blamed for it. And so he can't let that go and he's internalized it so much. And um, it's all his mother's fault that carries that. Really, why, you know, you're the one letting your little kids go to a, uh, you know, uh, an abandoned cave that any time could, you know, something could, could go wrong. So, uh, you know, kind of your fault. Yeah, I'm not making excuses for her, but um, she was clearly already, like, kind of sick and, like, probably had some sort of mental imbalance and was not able to process this, so, like, needed to blame somebody because she, rather than, rather, because her mind probably broke when she, like, blamed herself for it and went past that and just, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't really psychoanalyze somebody, but, you know. I see what you're saying though. Exactly the same thing. You know, this was, that was her coping mechanism. Just mm-hmm. like if Marks was to create another personality or, you know, whatever. Hurt people, hurt people. They're all, we're all crazy. <laughs> uh, Mark says something really profound though, right before they see him, which is uh, right before they see the kid, uh, which is I kept wishing I'd fail and one of them would kill me first. When he's talking about how, like, Khonshu basically set him against all of these people and convinced him, like, these are people you have to go after. They've done something that deserves punishment. And every time he was on one of these missions, uh, he says he was wishing that he would fail and one of them would would win the fight and and stop him. It's like, you know, he was just, he was sick of of doing that. You know, like, I kind of almost want it to end now. Mm. You know, it's pretty sad, but. And uh, so then, yeah, then when they follow uh, Mark's little brother, they um, one very interesting thing is that he's uh, drawing a fish with one fin. Yeah. And Mark kind of makes fun of him for that. Um, But then they decide to go uh, to the caves to explore. um, And always does that kind of make you think. That, that fish was all, like, did it really ever, it never really had one fin. Is that kind of, that's kind of where I put it. Like, it was all really in his imagination. And then when he went to, like, you know, get a new fish with no fin, he's like, you know, the fish lady, wasn't she like, there's no, there's no fish with no fin, you know? Like, <laughs> the, the fish has a fin. So it, he kind of was maybe imagining the fin not being there because of, and and then when, once, once he is starting to realize the split personality thing, kind of, and something's weird, is when he finally realizes that the, it does have a fin, and that's why he goes to the pet store. Like his mind is starting to s- separate from the Stephen and Mark, so he's kind of seeing that now the fish does actually have two fins, but never. I don't think he ever really had a fish with one fin. He was imagining the huh. fish with one, and and then as his mind is starting to realize things he realized the fish doesn't really have one fin but he doesn't know that mentally yet so he still thinks somebody switched the fish or of, of something like that so i think it was actually kind of all in his head from the start interesting i didn't think yeah. of it in that way uh my my mind kind of went to like well maybe he like as a as a some sort of coping mechanism like went to get a fish, saw one out of the... Because, like, when you buy a goldfish, there's, like, 
like a hundred of them in a tank. Like there's so many. And maybe he like saw one with one fin and was like, that's the one I want. I want that one. Cause it reminded him of his little brother. Um, but your, but I think your explanation makes more sense. <laughs> I find it extremely rare to find a fish that has one fin when that is related to your past. Like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. Conveniently that goldfish has one fin. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, it could be, but it could be, it's the, it's the kind of neat coincidence, uh, that happens in comic books, but, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but I do like your explanation more. I believe in my head that he was imagining the one, it was all part of his, it was just all part of his vision. Mm -hmm. Um, I did clock that, uh, when they're running out to like go to the cave, they say later's gators in a while crocodile. I thought that was sad. I thought that was the callback to it and how how now you see like really the emotion behind what that really means and you just thought it was goofy at the beginning mm-hmm. like it is like some like weird british accent saying that but and then it also takes into context the fact that a lot of people are questioning his british accent like it was kind of weird little but it's because it's really just an american guy trying to impersonate his hero so it's not gonna be good necessarily it- his hero from a movie, which who knows in that movie, it might've been an an American actor doing a fake British accent anyway. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons why it's not, why it's not maybe the best accent. Yeah. But it's just, I think that's a really great, I think that's, what's cool about it. I Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like it's almost purposely done and and doubt. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, they're, they're heading to the cave. Did, uh, did you clock like what his little brother's full name is? Cause I just got like Roro. They said Roro a couple times. I think his real name is Randall. Randall? Yeah. Um, okay. so I don't, yeah, I don't really know much else, but I do know that Randall Spectre is in the comics. I, I looked it up. He is something he turned, he ends up being some kind of superhero or villain i can't i didn't look mm-hmm. too much to it but uh he is actually a, a character so okay yeah i just looked on imdb it is randall you're right um okay i i don't th- i don't see that happening in the last no. uh, 45 minute episode <laughs> no 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 i don't think that's happening here <laughs> let's, let's get that clear but but yeah i just in the comics he is a character mm-hmm um, and then we get this really, like, yeah, this really tragic thing where, like, they're going into the cave, it's raining, they're, uh, it's, you know, slippery, whatever. It looks like maybe he got his foot caught. They don't explicitly show or say what happens, and I don't think they need to. Um, no, yeah. But <laughs> they do say later that he drowned. Because I, I was thinking, like, oh, it's going to be slippery, he's going to fall on something. But it seemed yeah. more like he got his foot caught and, like, the rain filled up the cave and he drowned that way. That's the impression I got from it is he, they don't really even show how any of them escaped or how Mark got, they just kind of allude to him dying. But my guess is it flooded and he drowned. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I, so. Yeah. Um, that's my story. Sticking to it. And then, uh, then Mark explains that he, uh, kind of, he like left home. He joined the military, uh, but he went AWOL in a fugue state and got discharged, and that didn't leave him a lot of options. So he ended up working for his old commanding officer, somebody named Bushman, 
who I didn't look this up, but I'm at least 99% sure that that's a comic book character. <laughs> Did you look it up? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's uh, definitely like the villain comic. I think he, in the comics, he's the, he, it's almost exactly like that. I think this, his old CO and he murders everybody. It's, it's very closely following some of the comic stuff. And mm. I looked it up and it's pretty much just like that. Bushman, his CEO, kills everybody and tries to kill him. And then, as we know, you know, he crawls his way to the Moon Knight uh, statue and uh, old Conchu, or the Conchu statue, and Conchu uh, basically saves his life and says, I can kill you if you become my fist of vengeance. Mm. Uh, I mean, he says, I'm in search of a warrior. You, you'll be my hands, my eyes, my vengeance. I love this. I love this part of it. My final word against evildoers. Hell yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of this episode. That was, that was badass. Mm. And then when he finally agrees and then he, you know, did you write down what he said? Yeah, I think so. I wrote, uh, you're going to bind your very being to me and eradicate only the worst, those who deserve it. Uh, do you swear to protect the travelers of the night and bring my vengeance to those who would do them harm? Hell yeah. And it says, what he says, like, you'll be my fist of vengeance, my moon knight. And then he's like, <laughs> badass. That was like, pretty cool. Hey. <laughs> it was it's, awesome. It's simultaneously <laughs> tragic and very cool. It is. It's cool and terrible. That It was awesome. But yeah. <laughs> Ryan, who are the travelers of the night? Who are the travelers of the night? Yeah, what what is he what is he specifically referring to when he says the travelers of the night? Do you swear to protect the travelers of the night? That's a good question. I would say the innocent people of the evening who are going about their lives and their jobs were trying to be taken down by the evil that consumes the night. That's what I think. Love it. I think you're right. Um, some stuff happens, more memory stuff, and then uh, what am I skipping over? Let me see. the. Um, oh, well, first to the point after that, then they go back to the boat. Yeah, the and the unbalanced boat. souls are, like, the dropping boat. into the sand. Exactly. You see all the souls are coming down and towerette, tower, towerette. Man, so many of these names. Towerette, yep, that's it. Uh, yeah, so she's like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, she says something about how this is evil. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, sh- so she decides to, I think she somehow steers the ship off course to delay the inevitable because their souls still aren't balanced. Mm-hmm. And she's like, get back in there and balance your souls. You know, so, <laughs> so that. Go back in because they still haven't finished. Steven still doesn't know the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's he, Steven, needs to know the truth. So they back in. And she mentions that the Os- Osiris's gate is the only path back to the above world. I, I think that's maybe why she was steering the ship. She's trying to head to Osiris's gate. Yeah. Here's the ship. Yeah. But either way. And then she's like, you need to get back. So they need, while she's doing that, they need to get back in there. You know, they need to uh, balance some souls, if you will, you know. Oof. And this got to me, this really got to me, when uh, 
Mark kind of like stops Steven and he's like, listen, listen, we don't have to go back there. I'll just, we'll just talk. I'll just tell you what happened. We don't have yeah. to go re-experience it. And Steven is like very insistent and keeps pushing. And Mark just starts like having a fit and slapping himself on the face and being like, no, 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 I won't go back. I won't go back. And he's like so in this fit that he opens his eyes and he's back in Dr. Arthur's office again. Um, and that's when yeah. Dr. Arthur asks, did you, did you create Stephen Hyde from the awful things you feel you've done or did Stephen create Mark? Yeah. And, uh, we could take him back into his memory. Steven needs another trip. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. And then from there, basically, I forget the conversation. I didn't read right much into that, but, uh, isn't that when, you know, kind of Harrow kind of talks him back into the, talks him back into the fantasy kind mm-hmm. of, and then they are, I lost my spot. Yeah, because yeah, interestingly, Harrow is like, you have to share with Steven. You have to connect with him. Like, yeah. almost like he's trying to get them to balance too, which is interesting. Uh, Why do you think and, that is? And Because I think that this Harrow isn't really Harrow. I think that he's more of a figment of Mark Mark's imagination. I don't think this is really Harrow. Hmm. Is also kind of part of his his imagination, and he's it's almost him is is Harrow, and he is using him as the re, the, the God, I wish I knew better English. <laughs> I wish I was good at a language, but uh, you know. <laughs> so I think he's using him as the outlet for trying to explain these things, and I don't like I said I don't think it's really Harrow. Harrow's doing his shit up there. He's He's nabbing souls, mm. like real hero. And I think this is all in Mark's head, and this is his adversary kind of pulling this out of him. And it's his mind making it happen, sort of. He's in the afterlife, you know. He's This is all happening while he's dying, so it's all a, right. it's all a real surreal kind of thing. I don't think that's really anything that to do with Harrow. I think it's all really in Mark's brain, and he's trying to this is him trying to pull the information out of himself almost using the character. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right because I was thinking of it in the wrong terms, which is that I was thinking of it in like Arthur has created this whole thing and it's an illusion and he's, and he's using it to manipulate. But I think you're right that Arthur has nothing to do with this. He's just there because he's present in Mark and Steven's mind. Right. And yeah, they've, they've cast him as this doctor character and they're using yeah. that as part of the process to to do what they need to do. That's yeah, it's a good take. Yeah. That that's how I see. It. But yeah. And so then he kind of talks him back into the memories and then we end up we we end up in Mark's room with the little kid and is trying to come in to hit him with the belt. You know, and that's kind of when he creates Steven, I guess, mm-hmm. and witnesses this and sees you saw you mentioned earlier zooms into the poster and he sees that you know he's Stephen Grant and then you know they go back out in the hall afterwards into the we're back into the psych ward. I like how Stephen just punches Mark in the face. <laughs> yep. Like, and then and then like grabs his hand like ah oh, that hurt. <laughs> exactly. Like you. Know, 
that that's just crazy. Imagine being a personality. You think you're just imagine being you, and then you find out that you're not real. You were you were created. So that's that's crazy. I I'd be more pissed than he was. Probably. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like if suddenly I found out that I was like actually some person named Gooey Lee that like writes emails to a podcast instead of being a podcaster who is yeah. you know creating uh, episodes. This is actually your alter, mm. Gooey Lee. <laughs> Gooey Lee's the lead. So I forget what they call the 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 host. The main thing, the host I think is the main person. But yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I paused on the poster to see if I could find any like notable Easter eggs or anything, but I, I don't know. I didn't really see anything that jumped out to me. I did write down the movie was uh, produced by Timely Atlas Studios. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, Timely Comics was the name of Marvel before it was Marvel. No way. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that definitely, yeah, that's definitely cool. That's a cool little yeah. Easter egg, then. Don't know the Atlas part, but Timely Comics, yeah, that was way back Marvel before it was Marvel. <laughs> and there, there were a bunch of names on the poster that all just they they just sounded like regular names, but I'll bet that they're all like references to either people that work on this show or that like worked for Marvel Comics or something like that. Usually, they're writers, artists, or producers, sound guys from the show or their mm-hmm. comic usually they're part of the original comic or they're part of, just like you said they're either writers artists from the comic or they're um guys from the production of the show mm-hmm. they, throw the, they throw those in for a little you know i'd like that little recognition you know and then uh, Stephen ends up back in the doctor's office, and like he he's holding the water, and he splashes it right in his face, and immediately starts oh, apologizing. Yeah. And again, um, that like Stephen has the emotional. The first time it was Mark, no, 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 and boom, back into the doctor's office. And then it happened with Stephen. He's like, you know, no, I don't like. Let me out. Let me out. Boom. And then he's into the office with. So it's cool that uh, they get the extreme motion and they end up, it's like they're trying to avoid that, what's happening there. You know, Mark didn't want to show Steven the memories or he didn't want to go back and see him again. So it was, ah, and back into the office. And same with Steven. He like freaks out and panics. And then he's back in the office with Harrow, almost like his mind brings him there because it doesn't want to face the truth. Mm. Yeah. And he insists that he's real, that his mom is alive. And the doc and doctor, the doc, Dr. Arthur says like, um, well, why don't we call her? Why don't we call her? And he's like, well, you don't have the number. And he just starts, he's like, yeah, we do. And he just starts dialing. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, that was really- I have more and- thoughts on that, but I'm going to save them for lose big three. Okay. All right. Then we'll save that for lose big three. Uh, then we find out that, um, uh, then we find out what, uh, his, his that memory from earlier was of him standing next to a car with a flask that he's drinking out of and it's that his dad had called him about two months ago because his mom passed away and they were having a shiva for her Mm -hmm. um and he explains that like this was pretty much the moment that steven and mark's lives started bleeding into one another yeah and i thought that that was breaking down and then Steven just took over and 
had no idea where he was. And that was just a long line of things to come of how that was going to become a normal thing because now they're bleeding together. And I thought that was, that was sad. Mm. Well, very well acted by Oscar Isaac. That's just, just the, the way he does all these. And the way I just also have to mention, like when he's acting with himself, I was like lost in that. And I didn't even think about the fact that there wasn't another actor. Like he had like a body double, of course, but just the fact that the way he, he, like the chemistry with himself, I guess, like it was just, he like nailed it. I was Mm -hmm. like, I didn't think about it till later, but I'm like, wait a second, all those scenes, he's like acting with himself. And it was like brilliant. I mean, it was just really great. It really is. It's wild. I I really don't want next week to be like the the end of Moon Knight. I really want like him to show up in more movies or a season two because it's so good. And and Oscar Isaac is so perfect at this character. Um, I just really want to see more of it. I wish that they did more of like WandaVision, which was nine episodes. Like, hmm. like it just, I mean, I hate, I haven't seen it all yet, so I don't know how it is, but I just feel like there should, it really should have been stretched out a little more just to, just to get a little bit, just, there's so much to dive into in this that they could have really gone a little longer just to, to just like a few more episodes. But we'll see. They wrap it up brilliantly. I'm not, I don't want to make any judgment, but. I think they are going to wrap it up brilliantly. I do, I will say though, Moon Knight is an even bigger risk than, like an even bigger gamble than something like WandaVision. Because WandaVision has the clout and and the recognition of having been in most of the Avengers movies. And so like, and like Vision was also a big deal. But like Moon Knight is a completely new character. Almost nobody else from the MCU is even in it. Um, yeah. So it's like an even bigger gamble for them. So I can I can totally understand why they limited it to six episodes, but I think I, they've done so well, and I think it's gotten such a, a positive response that um, I hope that they're at least considering doing a second season. Yeah. And then also, honestly, to have the balls to make a show that called Moon Knight that literally barely has Moon Knight in it, which I am totally fine with because the character study of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant is just, this is how you love a character. This, this is how we go on and love this guy because we know all about his, this is the way it should be done. I feel it's great. Mm. You, you, you know, all about him, you know why he is who he is and you, and you feel something for him. And if he ever dies or something happens, there's real emotional weight to it because we've just seen everything about the guy and we know this is how I really, I like this kind of thing. I I think it's a, it's a great way to, to go about it. It's, it's really more about the person than the superhero. That's what I I like that. Marvel has really perfected the formula on that. Like they, ever since Iron Man, it's, it's always like, here's this guy, here's his powers or this girl and here's her powers. And like, let's see what happens in a later film or later, later on in the story when we take that away from them. Like that happened in Iron Man three, his suit, he didn't have access to his suit and he had to like make stuff from home Depot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it happened with Spider-Man. Like, he lost the suit. And, and Iron Man, appropriately, was like, if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve it. Um, yeah. Who else? Like, where else have we... We've seen this with almost every Marvel character. Yeah, we see the Hulk can't transform. Thor like has the- his hammer taken away by Odin. Yep, exactly. Everyone, you always have that. They have to dig deep into themselves to, like, figure out the situation, which is nice. But I like they're doing that with Moon Knight right from the start. Like, they're not even really giving us too much of the Moon Knight beating the shit out of people. It's very scarce. Mm-hmm. I mean, really about Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. That's really in, in their life and how they became. And I really like that because you can bring all that stuff that comes later if that's going to happen. Now we have, like I said before, we have a connection to them and we really feel for why they do what they do. And I, I really like, I just like that. It's awesome. And it's interesting that like, he doesn't really want to use these powers because it's so right. triggering for him. And it, and it just keeps him in this cycle of like, tra- yeah. of his trauma and his past. And, and he really is like trying to get away from it all the time and just let, let it, let it be, let this phase of everything be over. Um, but that just, that makes him an even more fascinating, uh, character slash hero. Um, the final scene is, uh, this boat is getting closer to the gates of Osiris and there's a big fight. All these like sand corpses are coming onto the boat. One of them's got a knife. I did. Was the one with the knife, the the kid that like cut his necktie. Is that who that was? Because they kind of lingered on his face for a moment, and I was like, oh, that he looks a little familiar. And I was, though, every time they showed Mark's quote unquote victims or like dead people, whatever, I thought, like, oh, these are maybe one of one of these is going to be connected to somebody we saw him kill in a previous episode. Um, That was the only one that, like, I think it's the same person. But I I just, I don't even know how to verify it if it is. him, but did he really kill that guy? That guy killed himself, right? Right, but it, but at the same time, like he didn't really kill his brother, and his brother was part of that room of like quote unquote people. More so, maybe than the actual killing. It just it stood out because he was the only one that like climbed onto the side of the boat right. with a weapon, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of did a close up on the knife. I don't know. I might be reading too much into it. it. it didn't I? Didn't even. I just thought, oh, it's like weird zombie ghosts coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Sand <laughs> yeah. zombies. Um, there's a cool, very cool moment where uh, Mark is pretty much handling them with all of his like military jujitsu and everything that he knows, his combat skills. And he's, he gets overwhelmed. Steven is using his smarts to like steer the boat and get them to be off balance so he can sort of rescue him. And, and then uh, he, he realizes like he needs to jump into action. And he says something like, um, you know, you've got this. Uh, well, if I'm you, then I guess I've got this. <laughs> and then he runs <laughs> in and kicks some ass. I honestly didn't even notice that line. <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, man, Steven gets, uh, he's rescuing him from, like, the last sand zombie, and he gets pulled over the side. And... Yeah. Mark is desperately trying to get uh, Towerette to stop the boat or turn around, but uh, we see Steven crawling on the sand, reaching out and slowly just uh, getting turned into stone, and his eyes glaze over, and he's 
very uh, made me. This made me cry. This this got me very sad. This was one of the sad parts. Yes, it was terrible. Because God, how much have we grown to love? I can't. I can't imagine that he's gone forever. Do you think he's gone forever? I don't. I think it's interesting that Towerette said, like the moment that it that the tr- the turning to stone was complete, that um, the scales are now balanced. Yeah, which is like Steve. Like Stephen's not supposed to be there then. Mm-hmm. So like he's balanced without him. So it's like he's told the truth to Stephen. He's accepted the truth within himself. It's almost like now, what's the need for Stephen? Hmm. Stephen about all the darkness and the terrible things that the whole point of Stephen was to block that out. If he knows about that stuff, what's the difference between Stephen and Mark? On the one hand, yeah, it's very healthy for Mark, but on the other hand, but I, I don't want to Yeah, I I see Stephen as his own character and I don't want him to just disappear. Yeah. It's it's such a weird thing. Like it's so it's hard to even articulate. I do feel that because, you know, DID is clearly an, aff- an affliction that is, it's not really going to go away. I think you're so right. That they're going to embrace that and they're going to make Mark and Steven and whoever his alters are learn to, learn to work together. And I hope that's kind of what I would like. That's how I'd like it to end, mm-hmm. you know, and they use the different personalities to, work together in different situations. You know, Mr. Knight maybe work better here, Moon Knight here, Mark here, Steven. I'd love it to be like that. So we'll see how it goes, but that's that's what I'd like. Uh, And then the episode ends on a shot of this ship sailing and this uh, song, Mas Aya del Sol, by Manuel Bonilla, which means uh, Beyond the Sun. Yeah, and then clearly Mark is immediately transferred to the field of reed. Yeah, yeah. So it's the image. It's do you do you agree that is the field of reeds that uh, Tawaret was describing earlier? It's I like do serenity. I do, but I don't think he'll remain there because I don't mm-hmm. think he's destined to be there yet. Nor do I really believe maybe that's where he should be. But we'll see. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything else before we jump into lose big three? No. No, that's going to do it for the episode. Dope. All right. Um, Ryan, do you want to sing the theme song, or do you want me to play it from the recording? <laughs> play it from the recording. All right, here we go. Do, 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 lose Big Three with you and me. We're going to have fun with fucking Lose Big Three. <laughs> and we're back. All right, that was great, Ryan. Thanks for singing. No problem. I'm amazing. Uh, lose Big Three, number one. Ryan, when... Arthur Harrow calls Stephen's mom, or when uh, Mark sort of transforms into Stephen when he's walking away from from the Shiva, uh, and he takes his phone out and calls his mom. Who is on the other end of the phone? I am. I always have believed that it's nobody. He's talking. Nobody. He's making it up. Yeah. I. I I believe that, yeah. I believe that he's literally just picking up his phone. That's why he's, like, holding it, and you see it glowing. That's what phones do when they're not really in phone mode. That's you know, true. You, 
you have a phone in phone mode, it goes black when you put it to your ear because it, you know, so your face doesn't touch the, and it's glowing. Like you can see, I don't think he's, I mean, what that really means, who knows, but I really, I just personally don't think he's talking to anyone. It's all, he's making it up. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause conversation, he's just making stuff up. He thinks there, but she's not. Huh? Yeah. Cause when, when Harrow calls, uh, it does like the zoom in on the receiver and it's, it almost sounds like there's just a tone. Like there's no, there's no voice. There's nothing like just a, like a dial tone. Yeah. Oh, when he does the, you know, call, call my mother. Dylan, call his mother. Yeah, we have her on fire. Yeah, the dial tone because there's because there's never been anybody. Hmm. There is nobody. There never was. I think that's the whole point that he's trying to make. Clearly, he's trying to make the point to himself because Harrow is not real. Mm. But when he's even when he's gonna go give the phone to him, he's like, no, no, don't, no, mate, don't do it. Don't like he knows it's the truth, but he doesn't want to accept it. That's a good. That's a good analysis. I think you're right. Yeah. So. yeah. Ryan, if you were this, this is a loaded question. So feel free to say I don't want to answer this. I'll try. go for it. <laughs> um, if you were in a psych ward, if you if you had like DID, uh, and you and you came up with some sort of organizing principle to make sense of your reality. What do you think your organizing principle would look like? What form would it take? Oh my god. I don't even know how to answer that question. I really don't. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Does uh, the question make sense? Do you do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, like how I would how I would break down myself if this was my situation, how how would my personalities reflect me? Is that kind of yeah, like the way that Mark basically puts himself in this 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 like illusionary psych ward, but Harrow describes like for a lot of people it's castles, mazes, a library. Um, what kind of setting do you think you would your organizing oh. principle would put you in? That's a good question. Mine would be the the mirror dungeon from Mario One, where you just keep fucking running and it just keeps being the same thing unless you do it exactly the right way every fucking time. And that would be me just running, not figuring out shit. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. I'm going to bounce off of your a- answer and say the water temple from Ocarina of Time, because that, that, oh that thing just makes you go around in circles. <laughs> Yo, you have to keep like, all right, now you got to lo- raise the water level up. Swim here. Mm-hmm. Now you got to bring it down to this. Oh, God, that was the dude. That was like the Mario dungeons like on on steroids. <laughs> I do re- I do honestly think mine would probably manifest as some sort of video game like something like like Zelda or something where like I can level up and I can gain powers and I can, you know, like yeah. I think that's how I would reconcile it. Yeah, I feel like mine might be like that too. It's just cuz I grew up so much with those video games and I feel like my mind might go right there first, especially because it was such a big part of my life when I was young and my brain was molding. Mm. So those type of things like Mario and GoldenEye and Mario Kart, all those stuff. Like, you know, when you're young and your mind is forming, those things stick with you forever. Mm-hmm. So I feel that type of thing would definitely be part of my psychosis. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that was Lou's Big Three, number two. Lou's Big Three, number three. Ryan, this is a big question. 
Uh, that's why it's one of Lou's big three. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ryan, how is Moon Knight, uh, how's it all going to end? I think, I think that we're going to come out of this underworld and we're going to be back. We're going to come back into the world we know, have known in the first few episodes. And um, there's going to be some kind of battle between the avatars and the gods. Like, I want to see the gods literally battle in some kind of realm while also the avatars fight each other, like almost like a, a mirror type image thing where you see, like the gods fight and the body fight. How, how to really explain that. That's, that's complicated, but I want to see some of the gods in their realms fighting, but I also would like to see the avatars in their god. Maybe they, they fight in their avatars and they destroy them and then they end up in a realm and the gods have to fight with their powers directly. I just want to see something crazy like that. Okay. I could, I could totally see that. I think, I think it is going to be something like that. I think we're going to get a lot of like, like big epic stuff. Um, but not like not to the point where it overtakes the drama and and the human story that's been told so far. No, I don't think they're. I think the show has proven itself to to really dedicate to the characters and the story. And I don't think. I just don't think they blow it with something that's just total like that that typical big fight battle thing. It's gonna. I think we'll see that, but I really going to connect to the character story way this show has been really smart so far i think i think they'll handle it i i i'm slightly nervous because to see i get like this at every disney plus at the end though i'm like oh god how are they gonna do this then i'm usually pretty happy i have been most of the time so i think they're gonna i think they'll stick the landing i think so i have full confidence in it um yeah. i do think yeah i think we're gonna see a lot of the avatars again, which means we're going to see uh, Deanna Bermudas again. So I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> we're going to get. That's your uh, girl. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, but I do think we're going to get. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, or what's her name? Uh, Powerette? No. What was what's her name? Oh, no. Um, uh, it, I. I meant to word this as a question. Do you think Donna is going to come back? Do you think we're going to get more Donna? Because I love her, too. I do love her, but no. No? No. You don't think he's going to, like, get his job back at the museum? No. I don't think that's going to happen. Is there is there a possible ending where, like, he doesn't get the the gift shop job back, but he gets to be, like, an actual tour guide at the museum? That would be fantastic. I would love that. But I do kind of think it's going to more end with Mark is going to be the main person. No, no, I don't. I don't want to say that. I don't think that. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, Lou. What I do want is what I think I want is I want all the personalities to find their evenness within the body. I don't Mm -hmm. want one to be. I don't. I because you're saying it like, oh, you want Steven to be happy, but I want Mark to be happy too. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but I don't think, I don't think 
if Steven's working in the museum as a tour guide, that's going to make Mark happy. We need to find a happy medium. Mm. Maybe it will, but I don't know. Do you think that if, if like this ends with Mark slash Steven, like letting go of Conchu, Conchu, like getting, getting out of the contract with Conchu, that that means that since his body was supposed to die, like, is, do you think it's possible the show ends with Mark just accepting his death and just th- dying and there's no more Mark Spector or Stephen Grant anymore? I do? do honestly think that is a huge possibility, yes. Which is one of the reasons why, you know, I, Oscar Isaac hasn't signed on for any more movies and they've said all this. And it may be because it's a one-off thing. It's the story of this guy and this, and it's all going to arc and end. And that's it. It's it's a one-off thing. It's not in the MCU. It's in the MCU, but it's not, it's just one story. Maybe it's just one of those. Hmm. Boom. But I don't want that. And I really don't think that because if people love this like they do, there's no way money talks. So if it's popular and people love it, they're going to make more of it. How does the show end for Layla? Do you think it ends with like Mark slash Steven dying and Layla becoming the next Moon Knight? Or um, do you think like no. if, do you think there's going to be like a, like Mark and Steven find some sort of balance and they rekindle their relationship? Like, what do you think? That That's what I think. I think it's going to be some kind of balanced relationship with Layla's going to recognize that Mark personality or DID excuse me I'm sorry DID and I think she's going to accept that and embrace the multiple personalities I hope I really I, I would like to see that I'd like to see a happy a somewhat happy ending that continues and we see Moon Knight in more things I would love to see this character interact with other MCU characters I really would it would be really interesting how does it end for Arthur Harrow? Um, that's the question. I don't. I don't know. Arthur Harrow. God damn, man! You ask me. Like, there's just so many options. Um, I would like. I would like to see Arthur Harrow. I'd like to see him, I hate to see villains die. I'd like to more see him learn a lesson, change their personality and maybe move on. And then you can bring them on later in a different way. They've, they've learned and changed and grown. I, I don't know how you can do that with Arthur. And this, I mean, you could, um, but I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a change and he moves on and he becomes, and you can always keep that fill in that personality for a later thing. So I don't want to see him die. I don't think he's going to die. Um, I do. I think You do? I think he's going to get trapped in stone or something. Like some sort of ironic, like terrible fate because of all the evil that he's done. That would be cool too. But I feel more, I, I really, I don't think he will. I really, I don't think he'll die. Hmm. No, I don't think he'll die. I think he's going to be, like, trapped in eternity in, like, stone or something like that. Like, something really like a, torturous. Right. I, yeah, that, that's a good, that's, that's a good, 
That's a good guess. But I'd, I'd like to think he somehow changes. I want to see more of that with villains. Mm-hmm. More of them changing, turning, ending kind of like uh, whatever, but then they come back later. I want to save the characters for later. I think that you can you can make him change enough to learn a lesson possibly maybe not maybe he's just a piece of shit he's manipulated by Amit and he's just terrible but Marvel has a pretty strong tendency of killing off their villains which is very unfortunate because yeah because it but, presents problems whenever they want to do like a big Avengers thing and it's like yeah. well we don't have any villains left because they all died in their respective movies so we just have now all we can do is make the Avengers fight each other in an airport parking lot See, that's why I think it's going to be more of like, you know, Agatha Harkness at the end of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, thing like that. Uh, you know, tr- like, actually, that kind of works for what you're saying. Trapped in stone that could, maybe he could be released later. But not dead. You know? I, I think they should stop killing villains. Because mm-hmm. comics, they come back hundreds and hundreds of times. Like, save them to use them again you know and yeah i think that might happen i think spider-man no way home really proved the value of that like granted a lot of those villains were killed off but the (laughs) fact that you're able to bring them back like offer a, a path to rehabilitation to them that was such a better story than we need yeah. to kick their asses you know yeah I think we've come to a point in society where we're more engaged by changing somebody than just killing them. Mm-hmm. And that better. I prefer that. Like the villain learns a lesson kind of like the hero, you mm-hmm. know, and changes. And I like that much better, you know? Yeah. The walking dead is really big on that. And actually I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to go down that path. I'm not going to say anything more about the walking dead. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, never what? Never seen it. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> Spare yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, this is not the Walking Dead podcast, though. This is our second to last uh, Moon Knight podcast. Next week is going to be our final one. Ryan, unfortunately, we did not get any hate mail or love mail or any mail this <laughs> week. Uh, it's a bummer. Next week, they have plenty of time. <laughs> they do, yeah. And listeners, um, you have time also if you want to uh, send in your your robot versus dinosaur matchups. If you want to tell us how awesome or terrible or stupid we are, uh, Deanna Bermudez. If you want to slide into the DMs and like hit me <laughs> up, feel free. I've invitations <laughs> on the table. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, do you have any any like dinosaur versus robot matchups that you want to discuss before we wrap up? Boy, uh, I know I'm putting you on the on the spot, so you don't have to come up with one. Robots first dinosaurs. Robots first dinosaurs. What's a cool robot? Don't know. Can't think of one. Ba 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 bicentennial man versus <laughs> bicentennial man versus versus uh, what was that? Denver, the last dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, the skateboarding dinosaur that that came out of the La Brea tar pits. Yeah, Denver, Ooh. the last dinosaur. Yeah, versus Bicentennial Man. All right, this is a good matchup. This is a good matchup. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bicentennial Man. How come? Because Robin Williams always wins. Mm. Okay. He, okay. Some of his feats. Uh, he falls out of a second-story window, um, which messes him up a little bit, but he's still intact. To be honest, I can't remember that movie at all. So oh, luckily please. I covered it. I covered it on this podcast recently. So, well, not very recently, like over a year ago. Um, <laughs> okay. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, the, um, let me see the, uh, he, he like, he's really good at carving like things out of he's wood. Strong, huh? strong. He's definitely super strong, but he, he holds oh. back his strength. So oh. if he's, if he's in a like fight to the death, I think by Centennial man at full strength using his full potential, I think he would easily take it. Well, Denver um, the was just this kind of like skateboarding, like dinosaur. Thing. Like he he's got no violence to him. It seems. I don't know, but he's got mobility. He's he's really rad on that skateboard, and he can shred. I mean, you could you could totally shred, then you could totally shred. Uh, yeah, it may be recency bias because I've definitely seen Bicentennial Man much more recently than Denver: The Last Dinosaur. But I yeah. think I think I'm gonna go with my boy Bicentennial Man. I'm with you. Good matchup. All right. Well, listen, so listeners, if you agree or disagree with our take on that fight, uh, write in, let us know, and send us some more matchups so we can we can fit these titans against one another. Right. All right, well, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Yeah, everybody, finale next week. Tune in. We're going to be here for the grand finale. Get back in there and balance your souls. When danger is near, Stephen Grant has no fear. No, mate, don't do it. I've used a flare zero times as a weapon in my life. Here's the thing. Wally, Wally is not programmed to fight. Your mama was a snowblower. The moon night time is the moon right time. I am justice. It's not an accent. This is how I talk. Dude, he's going <laughs> to cut all the heads off the velociraptors and it's all over.